Welcome to the We Are Next podcast, advice and insight from all over the advertising industry to help you navigate your career with confidence. I'm Natalie Kim. And I'm Rafi Kugler, Director of Recruiting at Barrett SF. And thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Natalie, and welcome to Episode 6. I wanted to start by acknowledging what happened last week with the weekly email. So for those of you who didn't hear about it on social or anywhere, I might have posted about it. The automatic abuse bot that MailChimp uses flagged something in the email that was going out on Monday, or supposed to go out on Monday, and froze the account um, and didn't reinstate the account until a human had a chance to actually look at the content that we share through We Are Next. And they sent a really frightening email and it freaked me out. And I felt I felt so helpless. It just, I can't even explain. And I, one of the commitments that I make in running We Are Next is to deliver the weekly email every Monday. And it, to not be able to do that just felt so horrible. But I knew there was only so much that I could control myself. So anyways, it all got resolved. The email went out on Tuesday, a day late. It's all fine in the long, long run, in the big scheme of things. You guys, there's nothing quite like hearing it straight from a recruiter's mouth, which is why I'm super pleased to share my conversation with Rafi Kugler, Director of Recruiting at Barrett SF. This episode is so full of stories and advice that will no doubt help you in your next job search. So without further ado, enjoy. Thanks for having me here today. You're welcome. Um, I'm so excited for this conversation because you're the first guest coming from the recruiting side in agency. Um, so I know people are dying to hear your perspective on a lot of things. Uh, we first connected through Jocelyn, who um, I connected with from the University of Oregon when she was still a student. And she came on board here. Yep. And so I was like, I'm going to be an SF. Like, connect me with someone you think would be awesome. Yeah. And she was like, Rafi would be great. Yeah. So. Yeah. Here I am. <laughs> well, and and just to say a few words about Jocelyn, she is fantastic and has been just a amazing addition to this place in the short time she's been here. So. That's great. I'm yeah. Sure. When she hears it, she'll be very happy to hear yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> a little shout out. Yeah. So to start, I wanted to hear a little bit about the different hats that you've worn in your career since you didn't start out in recruiting. I saw no. that from your LinkedIn profile. So can you talk about how each subsequent role led to what you do now? Sure. Um, so. Uh, Going back to when I was an undergrad at uh, UC Davis in, in California, um, I was a communications major, and as I graduated, I felt that I was either going to head down, head, head into either PR or advertising, and to me, advertising seemed like the, the, the one that took more risks and was more creative, and so I did not know much about it, though, um, and what I heard from a friend who had gotten into it was that uh, media planning uh, did not require uh, previous agency experience, which a lot of other roles do, unfortunately. So uh, as a right out of undergrad kid, um, I chose to pursue media and thought, hey, that's something I could do. Um, and essentially, that's kind of how my career started. I got an internship at Hal Reine and Partners, which is uh, now Publicis Reine mm -hmm. here in San Francisco, uh, but at the time was one of the biggest agencies in the city. Uh, and then that led into the start of a media career at Goodby Silverstein and Partners, um, and then a couple stops later. Um, and I think um, there were a lot of things that I, it was a great, it was a great intro to the industry for me. And I think as I learned more uh, and took more on, I realized that 
um, it wasn't entirely where I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And so um, when the economy took a, a turn for the worse in the uh, early part of the two, of 2000s, um, that's when I kind of did a, a gut check reassessment of what I wanted to do. And fortunately, I'd been in the industry for a little bit and had gotten to know the different paths. And I, I, I did a total 180 uh, reboot and essentially um, started over as a creative intern. Mm -hmm. Um, and just realized that what I wanted to do was get closer to the work, to the making. Yeah. Um, I was I was kind of done with media and, and strategy, and I felt like I had been repeating myself for different clients. And you know, I, you have to sort of be a numbers geek, I think, to be a media planner. And at some point, that that wore off a little bit. So, uh, but believe me, there was a place for those people. I just wasn't one of them. So, uh, so I started over. Uh, went back to Goodby Silverstein and Partners that has always just uh, created such amazing work and I wanted to be closer to that. Fortunately, had made some great contacts there. They let me come back in uh, as, a med as an intern, so it was a total start over. And uh, after a short time, I got a chance to get to know uh, Jamie Barrett, who was a creative director and partner there. And I moved into this role where I was a creative assistant to him. and that sort of opened the door to being a lot closer to the work and to the making. Uh, I started to put a, a portfolio together myself uh, to be a copywriter and actually did produce some work, which was really great. Yeah. Um, and at, after a few years of doing that, I reached another kind of career point where I questioned myself and what I really saw myself doing long term. And I had a, a real good heart to heart with Jamie who encouraged me to give recruiting a try. And, he, and that's the rationale or, or what came out of the conversation was, um, you love people, people like you, um, you have a good eye for work, and you could be really great at this, and this industry needs great recruiters to keep talent coming in. And it just sort of made sense to me. It felt right, um, it felt genuine and authentic to who I was. And so um, I gave it a go uh, at Goodby, um, Goodby Silverstein for a few more months and then realized that if I really wanted to learn and create my own reputation and understand how to be a great recruiter, I had to branch out on my own and that's when I decided to leave and go to my next stop, uh, which we can chat about. Mm -hmm. So um, that kind of started me off on the recruiting path, which now has been uh, about eight years and I haven't looked back since. So. That's amazing. So I had two follow-ups while you were talking. Yeah. Um, one is, I think it's amazing and so commendable that you were able to kind of reset. One question, like pick your head up from everything that's going on and question whether or not what you're doing is actually what you want to be doing, even if you're you know securely in that position. Yeah. It takes a lot of guts, I think, to to do to question that and then to to decide, hey, I'm actually going to like totally restart and start over as an intern and come in, you know, again kind yeah. of at the, the bottom rung and work my way up. Yeah. I think for the sake of, you know, pursuing what you actually want to do, I think that's super commendable. Um, the second was a follow-up question about, do you think uh, most people who end up in recruiting overall, of the recruiters that you know, do they, do they have experience in another role before they, is that like a yeah. kind of must-have? I imagine it's, that... <laughs> yeah, it's a great, great question. It, it seems to me that most recruiters don't start out that way. Mm. Uh, and they, they've kind of stumbled into it maybe the same way that I have, or perhaps they were going down a different path and they somehow, I don't know, just became 
more intrigued to have talent and bringing in people and building a team and those kinds of things. And, and so, um, I don't know, it's, it's, I've, I've never come across somebody that said their first job was as a, was recruiter, a recruiter, unless it was like something totally different, like a staffing, yeah. staffing agency or right. something, and then they made the move agency side. Um, but I really do think that it helps so much when you've experienced uh, a different side of the agency or you've been you've been in it for a little bit because you can just speak to it so much more you you know the types of people that you want mm-hmm. and you know the types of people that are going to be effective right so that's been I think that's been uh, incredibly helpful plus the other thing is just going back to the the part about kind of rebooting mm-hmm. the, the really wonderful thing I think about this industry is that it lets you try different things and if you work hard and people like you um, they'll give you that opportunity and and I know a lot of people that have found their path you know they've taken a direction one way and then they've realized they want to be doing something else and because they've done well and they've proven themselves um, they get that opportunity and they've made that switch now it doesn't always happen but I think that that sort of willingness to say, "Yep, we'll, we'll let you try that." You know, why don't you, you know, apprenticeships, or why don't you, you know, uh, come in as this, and we'll look for this to work. And and it's it's just been amazing when it's worked out, mm-hmm. and and some of the best people at what they do have not started out that way. So, I think that's good advice. To it sort of liberates people to not feel like the path that they're pursuing initially, especially when they're starting out as students, or you know, first jobs is going to be the one they necessarily have to commit to. Yeah. The rest of their career. Yeah, and and just to just to be open and understand and and be curious mm-hmm. about what else is out there because, you, you know, I think being real stubborn or being dead set on a certain direction can sometimes hurt you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Get in your own way. I agree. So you you mentioned briefly, but you've worked in recruiting at some really amazing shops. I wanted to know what guided you in your decisions every time you left an agency. Because I'm always, I'm always curious in general with people, what, yeah. like what, um, how they make decisions about where to go next in their career. But I think specifically as a recruiter, I think that's a, it's a super interesting question. Yeah, um, and, and I think you know the answer that that I have to that is has really what's guided me has been the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, when I had reached that point at Goodby Silverstein where I knew I needed to branch off, um, I think what attracted me to the next location, which was um, FCB mm-hmm. in San Francisco, was the fact that um, they <clears throat> they had had kind of a heyday in the late 90s of being the it shop, you know, great creative work. Um, a lot of people wanted to be there and they had since been a little bit quiet mm-hmm. and so I think there just was an opportunity to make your mark for me to make my mark mm-hmm. and and you know uh, I, I the role specifically was creative recruiter and so I just felt like okay maybe this isn't the uh, sort of highest pedigree of creative kind of shop but they were at one point and there's there's a lot of potential right. so maybe I can learn if I can learn to recruit here I think it'll make me that much stronger of a recruiter moving forward, and so that was really um, what what was interesting to me. I think to try that, and then two and a half years later, uh, there was an opportunity at uh, Pereira and Odell here in San Francisco, and they were coming off Pereira and Odell. For those that don't know, is um, a you know startup agency that started in two thousand eight by a couple of guys that met at uh, AKQA 
uh, Andrew and PJ, and they had been experiencing a ton of momentum and winning some awards. And I think for me, what guided that decision was that I realized that that was really important to me, was, was going to a place where I really believed in the work. I was, uh, you know, proud of what we were selling, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it was it was a little bit of that, wow, okay, this is what it's like when you know, you're at a place that people really want to come to. Right. And, and, and it's fun to kind of be there when there's a lot of energy and a lot of momentum. And I think uh, I've always been a big energy guy. Um, I, I, I love being at places where there is this kind of uh, excitement about the work and about um, what we're doing and about the people that are here. And they, it's not just a job to them, but they really... They really are uh, excited about about what they're doing and, and what they're working on and proud of the work that's coming out of there. And I, and I think that that's always been really important to me. So Pereira and, and, and Odell, I think at that time, uh, and even now, but, but was really riding a wave of, of putting out some great work. So it was really fun to take what I had learned um, at you know a global network, bring it to this independent shop. And I always say that... Uh, I might still be there now were it not for my friend and mentor Jamie Barrett mm-hmm. uh, reaching out and um, asking me if I wanted to be a part of what he was building here. And you know, uh, not only is it a little hard to turn down uh, you know, a mentor and a friend like that, but uh, a chance to, again, I think for me to make my mark on this, on this place um, and be even that much closer to the leadership structure I think to me was was too too much to turn down. And actually, I will. I'm going to give my wife some credit here because we had this. Uh, we, I should give her credit for a lot of things. But, <laughs> yeah. but we'll be here all day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But she, you know, she kind of said it best when she said, "You know, you've been at Pereira for a couple of years. Um, you know what that's all about. You don't know what this place could be, and you don't want to go through life regretting that you didn't you didn't try this mm-hmm. and she was right and and I I really feel like this was the right move for me and we'll talk more about this place I'm yeah. sure uh, but um, that's kind of what triggered that it was it was definitely a uh, and, and believe me it was not just an instant decision you know when Jamie called it wasn't like oh sure okay because I was really having a, an amazing time where I was so, but we had a lot of conversations and a lot of okay, what's the vision? What's going on? What's this role going to look like? Um, and once we really kind of ironed those things out and, and got a sense of um, how I was going to be utilized yep. and and what I could bring to the table, I think that really made it that much more clear. Mm-hmm. So that's been the sorry that was kind of a long no, way no, of it was great. No, I love hearing story. those details, and I think that there's there's a correlation right between how much risk you think it feels like, you know, yeah. to leave something really established and secure and maybe yeah. an agency that's been around and has a global network to yeah. go to something that's start that's just starting out yeah. or hasn't been around very yeah. long. And, yeah. um, but the, you know, the payoff in terms of, like you said, being so close to, uh, you know, the team, like the core leadership team and yeah. being able to really influence it and really be invested in it kind of with your whole self and not yeah. just be like, I'm, I'm an employee here. Yeah. 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 And, and actually if I could say one thing, um, you know, having worked with with Jamie before and some of the folks here, I knew that they were the real deal. Mm-hmm. And so, I think knowing that this wasn't just jumping into a situation with a bunch of people that 
you know, didn't know what they were doing. It right. was it was anything but that. Right. I, I had seen these guys um, at their best, mm -hmm. and I knew that there was a good thing happening. Yeah. And you know, and that they were good leaders and and trusted and proven, and so that made it a little bit. Um, even though it was definitely a startup, and in every mm -hmm. sense of the word, we still are essentially. Mm -hmm. um, knowing knowing what it had been like to work with them, I think really helped. Yeah, so I imagine. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about Bear SF. I want to hear. Sure. Everything about what you guys are building here. Sure. The culture you've created. Sure. sure absolutely. So Bear SF was founded in 2012 by uh, Jamie Barrett and Patrick Kelly. Um, Patrick is the uh, co-founder, managing director, sort of comes from a strategy account background, um, and they kind of bumped into each other, I think, in the fall of 2012, and Patrick had been kind of freelancing around, and Jamie remembered working with him at Barrett SF and, and having a good experience with him, so he said, hey, let's, are you up for chatting, you know, and I, and I, and I really, I think it was one of those really fortuitous meetings, um, and so they had the idea to start this place, and one one I always like telling this story because I think it was really smart. So so in the very beginning, very beginning, mm -hmm. instead of just running out and buying, uh, you know, office space yeah. and everything, they they did a really smart thing. They walked into uh, Miami Ad School of San Francisco, and they basically bartered a deal and said, "We would love an area to come work, mm -hmm. um, print stuff out, use your Wi-Fi." maybe even get some help from some students and in turn will teach a class once a week. Wow. And so the head of Miami Ad School loved that idea and they did, they taught a class. I'm not sure exactly what the class was, but all I know is the students there at that time were dying to, to work with them. Sure. So that was kind of, a, I think, a really smart, smart sort of startup-y advertising move <laughs> that these guys did. Um, I think at the heart of at, at of the agency and why this place you know, was founded, I think, was really to do the kind of work that we want to do. Um, a, a lot of the a lot of the folks here have come from bigger places and have worked on really big brands, from Sprint to Comcast to uh, you know HP to many many more. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there's something to be said about you know sort of feeling like you're being led around by big brands and told what to do versus really being uh, a true partner to clients and basically saying we can get somewhere great together yeah. like let's 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 build this together and not to say that there aren't great relationships with big clients I think there are but I think it's just a different dynamic when you're talking about that kind of a size yeah. versus working with maybe some smaller to medium-sized clients mm -hmm. and so um, I think what these guys wanted to do was really build something where they were really proud of the work that they were doing and also um, getting a chance to do some cause-related work. Um, and uh, there's a little lesser-known fact here, but uh, but the original name before it was Barrett SF was uh, Optimism. Mm. And I think that they realized that, um, I don't know, maybe it was sounding a little bit too much like an optometrist's office. <laughs> but, I think, but, yeah. but I think the idea of optimism was positivity. Yeah. And uh, you know the idea that advertising can can do good and can and so some of the earlier clients um, were uh, uh, going after some or doing some work for some organizations that that um, tackled things like sexual slavery, stand up to cancer. Um, there's a, a an organization we did some work for called Thousand Days, 
which was all about uh, the, a baby's first thousand days and how much nourishment and uh, how much their brain needs to grow. And, and so, um, you know, we even did, did an effort uh, to combat the drought in California that was really bad mm -hmm. in 2014 uh, called Drop a Brick, which is really fun. If you get a chance to watch that, it's on our site. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, so I, I think, um, you know, we say in our, in our mission statement or our, sort of our manifesto that we want to be the best agency in the world. And I know that sounds like a real lofty thing, but I think there's no other way to put it. Mm -hmm. Plus the guys were tired of writing mission statements. <laughs> like so, simple, like yeah, straightforward. Yeah. And I think that, you know, cut to, cut to five years later and, um, you know, close to 30 employees now and a handful of, of you know, really great clients. Some are full-time, some are project-based. Yep. Um, but I, I really think that we are proud of every single piece of work that we're doing. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that very few places can say that. Um, you know, they often have those clients that nobody wants to work on or nobody sure. wants to touch. I, I just feel like there's a pretty great opportunity creatively and strategically in almost everything that we've got. And yeah. so I think that's that's something pretty special that's been created. And so, um, yeah, and, and I, I always say too, much like a, like a real five-year-old, you know, we're still figuring this out, yep. but I think we've got that approach of a, a, a wide-eyed, optimistic kid that's up for trying everything and dipping their foot in the water and wanting to, you know, just get better at what they do. So it'll be really exciting to keep watching the agency as it evolves and grows. And I mean, yeah. we were talking about growth earlier and like measured growth and, um, you know, not taking on clients that cause you to staff up all of a sudden and kind of yeah. like put a bomb in your, like your culture and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. But um, it'll be really cool to see, you know, as the agency continues to grow. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to get to your area of expertise, sure. uh, recruiting. Um, so I wanted to do a little kind of speed round of really basic but very frequently asked questions sure. about applying for a job. Happy to talk about that. Okay, so first one, cover letters, needed or nuisance? Uh, personally, nuisance. Yeah. Um, I, I've always been under the, I've always been a fan of, of less is more. Yeah. And so even, um, you know, if, even if we're talking about uh, an initial email, that you send out to a recruiter, don't write a novel mm -hmm. about who you are in your life and why you're so amazing. Because I just I just think that you have to be conscious of the person's time that's gonna read that. Yeah. And and you know, they just are not gonna have a whole hour to set aside for you. I, I hate to break it to you, but you know, you, you'd be lucky if you get a few minutes. Yeah. And so just get to the point. Um, and I think, you know, like I said, less is more. You know, um, um, that's my take on, on, you know, the cover letter thing, I think at one point was, you know, and I think for some industries it still is, it's still needed and, and you know, but I, I just think that um, you can say what you want to say in, in a lot shorter amount of time. Yeah, which is sometimes even harder to like, you yeah. know, just like um, yeah. edit yourself down. Yeah. Okay, creativity in resume formatting. Is that a differentiator or just difficult to, to read? I think if it's done well, I'm a big fan of that. Mm -hmm. And in fact, um, I often reference a resume that I got at one point years ago. I was actually at Pereira and Odell, uh, and it was a strategist um, from, she was out in Boston, and she had made her resume into a really cool infographic. And, you know, like for example, it had a little map of the US and it said places I've worked, and it was like boom, boom, mm -hmm. little stars over the city. 
and that just to me was just so much more interesting to look at. Sure. And, you know, I don't know, I, I just, and that was coming from a strategist, not even an art director mm -hmm. or a designer. And so I just felt like that immediately kind of separated her. And I think that, you know, if it's done well, then absolutely. You know, this is a, this is a creative industry. Why not? And this is kind of a broader point, but I, I think you can be you can be creative or different in almost everything you do, yeah. from your subject in an email line to your resume to, um, you know, what you might include on your your site if you're if you're creative. Mm -hmm. um, I just think that the last thing you want to do is appear ordinary. Right. Because you know, ordinary is is not interesting, and we want to we want to hire interesting people right. and be around interesting people because that's where the best ideas come from. So, got it. How about your stance on cold emails? Or I guess like as a kind of qualifier of that question, um, is there any thing that people put in cold emails that gets your attention? Um, you know. I, <laughs> I like I like emails with personality mm -hmm. personally um, I, I I you know um, I, I just think there's you don't need to sound like your professional business person mm -hmm. I, I you know again kind of going back to being creative so I, I just think that um, there's a couple things one I think um, if you if you are, are really genuinely interested in in working here or working at wherever you're looking at um, you know, referencing a piece of work that's been done there, I think, is really important. Mm -hmm. And saying, you know, what is it about that piece that makes you want to come there? You know, like, like what, like, we want a genuine connection for like why you see yourself fitting right. in here and why you think you'd be great here. Mm -hmm. um, so, if you're going to send a cold email, I think you have to do your homework. I also think that that uh, that. Um, your grammar and you know your punctuation and not having errors or typos is very 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 important and it sounds a little old school to say it but I think that what comes across if you have typos is that a you didn't care yeah. you, you went way too quick um, and and so from my standpoint I'm thinking okay if this person's already making errors in their note to me how are they going to be with their work once, right, once right. they're in here so I just think it's one of those fundamental things that Reread your notes before you send them. Mm -hmm. Look for typos. Look for things. Make yourself strengthen certain things. You know, um, we always can can perfect that. Yeah. You know, and and uh, and I understand it, right? Like a lot of times you're like, well, I need to, I need to blast thirty different places. Right. Well, you know, um, then make sure that if you do, then that one blast is really tight. Right. Right. You know, um, I've and believe me, I've seen plenty of missteps where people have written to me um, saying they really love the work at a different agency, Ouch. and yeah. I mean that's that's kind of a recipe for disaster right, right. there. Right. Um, although I do have a great story about, and I'll tell this really quickly. But one time, <laughs> a a writer reached out to me telling me how much he loved uh, the work that RGA does, right. and I could have just dismissed that. Yeah. And said, "Well, this guy made a huge mistake." Sure. But I looked at his work and thought, "This guy's actually pretty good." Uh -huh. So I wrote him back and I said, "I like the work from RGA also. Do you think they'd take a writer and a recruiter?" <laughs> and uh, what started there was some really good banter, yeah. and uh, we ended up hiring him. That's amazing. So um, yeah, so that was a success story about making a misstep. <laughs> but please do not take that as 
something you should do. You should try to do. Yeah. I The tip I always give people for, it only works for typos, not for grammar, is to read your email backwards. Because, oh, interesting. Because when you read your email, for like reread your email forwards, you already know what it says. So it's really easy to skip over. Like you kind of assume mm-hmm. that it's written the right way, but mm-hmm. if you read it backwards, you have to read like each word. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. That's, that's kind of something that I do. Yeah. All right. How many times can a candidate follow up with you before it becomes annoying? Is there an ideal frequency in your mind? Well, I guess it, it kind of depends on if, and, and I want to preface this by saying I try to respond to sure. as many people as I can. Sometimes it's just impossible uh, or something's going on that's, you know, a fire drill on mm-hmm. something else and I just can't get back to certain people. My, my advice is, first of all, have patience with the person that you're reaching out to. Secondly, I would say my my sort of gauge of how many times is it okay is probably somewhere in the two to three range. Okay. Um, if you haven't heard back from somebody after a third time, uh, that probably means that... Some, you're not going to hear back. Yeah, you're not going <laughs> to yeah. hear back. And, yeah. and just do yourself a favor and kind of, you know, don't hang your heart on that mm-hmm. and move on. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, um, on that note, I mean, this is, uh, again, a, a sort of a bigger broader idea here but you know timing is everything and so if you reach out to someone and you don't hear back don't take it as a rejection of well you weren't good enough take it as a take it as a a thought of well there's a number of factors maybe they're maybe they filled the position already maybe they're just not hiring maybe uh, they don't have a need for someone like me right now so you move on and you know you're gonna if if you just kind of keep at it and you hustle, then um, sooner or later the timing is gonna work out and you're gonna be right there at the right time, and say the right things mm-hmm. and and you know that's that's how we all get our starts oftentimes. So I'm so glad you said that because one of the biggest pieces of advice to to students when I speak with them is if you don't hear back after you followed up and all that stuff, you still don't hear back. You can't, you're never going to know what the real reason was. You're never going to know 100%. So why immediately assume it's because they looked at you and said, mm, not good enough. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. why put your put that on yourself? Right. I mean, the job search is hard enough as it is without right. like you putting that weight on right. yourself. And right. so, um, you know, I think your, your advice is spot on in terms of, yeah, thinking about it as, as more of a timing puzzle yeah. almost. And yeah. It didn't quite line up. Yeah, exactly. Okay, last question in the kind of speed round. Sure. Salary negotiation as a junior, something that's allowed or totally out of the question? Now, okay, so now do you mean um, when you, you, like you haven't even had your first job yet? Yeah, so let's say, let's say I'm not, let's say not an internship. So maybe there's like a standard stipend you get as an intern. Okay. But you get brought on as a, from an internship. Or okay. like out of school. I mean, I know that's a lot more rare these days to yeah. be hired right out of school in an yeah. entry level position. Yeah. Um, but you haven't had a full time salary before. Right. What right. Uh, is there any room for negotiation? I mean, once you get farther in your career, everyone's like, you should always negotiate. Right. But I think there's a big question as to like, is that acceptable or? Not? I think I think you know. In my opinion, I think as a junior, um, you don't have a ton of leverage to negotiate, mm-hmm. and and I also feel like. You're still proving yourself and proving your worth, essentially. So, you know, I feel like you, you might, you might. I know I would sort of feel a little bit like, what's this person trying to do? Like, yeah. are they trying to squeeze some money out of us? Right, or, right. you know, uh, I always say to people, you know, come in here, 
prove yourself, work hard, you're going to be rewarded for that. You know, um, we like we love to promote from within. We love to, you know, uh, I think it was said once, you know, we reward on merit, not on tenure. Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think it does. Um, but, you know, I, I really think it's one of those things where, especially in the early stage of your career, um, you're not you don't have that leverage to negotiate. Um, I guess my advice also, if coming from sort of the the junior mentality is, Mm -hmm. do your own homework and make sure you understand what the market is willing to pay. Because, you know, there might be some places that that come in a little low. And so you shouldn't be accepting of that. But I also think that when I think about negotiating as a junior, I feel like that's getting a little too... Mm -hmm you know, trying to come in like way over maybe what a place is, is sure. willing to pay. Sure, sure. Just understand what market value is and what uh, is fair right. for that that amount of experience. And I think that's what you have to look at. Right. And thinking about too, like what you're really getting out of this job, right? Like mm-hmm. first and foremost, it is the experience. Like you're not working for free, but you are still getting, you know, putting experience under your belt, like learning still, I'm sure more so than you are kind of as you get I mean we're always learning but yeah. you know as you get later and later it's sort of like the t- the scale tips a little bit where like yeah. now you're bringing so much value to you know yeah. whatever role and I think yeah. to your point that's kind yeah. of when the negotiation cards yeah. are like in your favor yeah yeah okay so moving on applying to a job I think for a lot of people is sort of like throwing your resume into a black box or a black yeah. hole and you don't really understand like what is going on behind the scenes right. so I was hoping you could just in general, talk through your process sure. um, around what actually happens. Sure. Um, so, well, first of all, uh, this whole kind of applying to a black box mentality, the one thing I always try to tell people is um, if you can connect with a human, yeah. it is just that's the way you should push. And, and whether that's you know connecting with somebody on LinkedIn if you don't have their email or oftentimes, you know, you can figure out the email configuration because yeah. a lot <laughs> of times on a lot of times on agency websites, you know, it'll list uh, you know a new business person, right. and then you can see exactly how that email configuration goes, and then you know that that applies to most of the other people that mm-hmm. are there. So mm-hmm. it's doing a little bit of detective work, but they, it's all there. Yeah. You know, it's it's not meant to be Fort Knox in order to <laughs> to be able to connect with some to connect with a human being. So. Um, I think that, you know, there are a lot of people that just don't know that, though, and they don't get that, and they they apply cold to these sites, and they think that somebody is really carefully sifting through emails and resumes that come in that way, and I can tell you firsthand, I mean, I do my best to go through all of those emails, especially when we do have an open position listed, but, um, you know, I'll be honest, I'm going to give a lot more weight to the people that connect with me, because they've done their... They've done their digging. They've done their homework. And, you know, if you've been in the industry for a little bit, um, there's a good chance that you you know someone somewhere right. that knows somebody right. that's connected. I mean, you know, you look at, go on LinkedIn and you see that you have connections in common. Well, use those connections. Mm-hmm. Um, use every single resource you have. Um, and, you know, that's that's that would be my advice for really trying to connect and start a dialogue with somebody because that's just the best way to get your name and get your your info in the conversation and out of that black hole right 
Oh, that's such good advice. I'm always telling people, like, I call it going the front door versus the back door. Yeah. Like, always trying to find the back door. Yeah. And, and like, yeah. being an email detective, that's definitely something that <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. about. Yeah. Like, what, one other little, because I know we're talking now about sort of best advice mm-hmm. ever given, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I think sometimes, this is, you know, a lot of times we've been taught um, that you just need to get your foot in the door. You know, um, you just need it. You just need a break. You need to get your foot in the door. But I think that the mentality of all do anything just to get in is actually not a good one because to me, I want that person that's actually given it some thought and maybe knows what they want to try. And if they realize like, I I know I want to be an account person and Mm -hmm. I think I'll be great. And I, you know, I want to start here and I want to do this or I I really love production Mm -hmm. and, and here's what I did in college and I made a bunch of stuff and... I just feel like that's just, you're going to get a much more focused candidate that way rather than that person that's like, I'll do anything. What do you want me to do? I'll start in the mail room. I'll start in the, you know, and, and I think that's just an older mentality that mm-hmm. I just don't think applies anymore, that yeah. the foot in the door. Right. So this next question is, I think, very personal. There's no right or wrong answer, but I wanted to know if you had to rank these things in order of importance, so talent, experience, work ethic, or culture fit. What would be your ranking when you're looking at, you know, candidate? Um, well, uh, <clears throat> sometimes it's hard to just judge talent by a resume yeah. alone. But if you're talking about uh, creatives, you know, uh, it's it's their book that's going to get them in the door. Mm-hmm. So, in that respect, um, talent is is you know one of the first things. Uh, work ethic is is huge, and especially especially this this group that we're talking to right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, there's a phrase that I that I really love that is uh, "hustle beats talent" when talent won't hustle, <laughs> yeah. and and it, it you know this this if you show that um, that you are willing to work on anything and uh, stay late and be there in the in the the toughest of hours, um, that's that's something that that really stands out because people under they realize they can rely on you. Okay. And that you you have accountability and and that you're tough and you know this business can be tough as much as it's fun it can also be really tough so uh, a really strong work ethic mm-hmm. can can mean everything um, uh, you know experience again like uh, you know that to me is not the most important thing sure there's a, there's a couple of places that really do stand out yeah. um, that you know catch an eye of course on, on a resume or, or in a portfolio, mm-hmm. um, but it, you know, I, of, I often feel like um, some people can come from a place you would you would not expect, and they can really excel. Yeah. So you, you don't hang your your hat too much on that. And then uh, culture fit is very important, and I think it's one of those things where uh, it was said once, and and I do like this. You know, I I I agree with this. I try to hire people that I want to go grab a beer with. Mm-hmm. Because um, they're interesting people, and they have something to say, and they've got opinions, and and they bring something to the table. And I think that uh, if you know, I I know a, a great recruiter, um, and he is based almost all of his hires on that kind of like, is this somebody that I that I like being around? Yeah. And that served him really, really well, mm-hmm. which is pretty amazing. So uh, I do think that that's 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 a very important thing for sure. Hopefully that answers. That was a great answer. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up with the best piece of advice that you've ever been given. Um, okay, well, I will say that one of the best pieces of advice I've been given and, and I've heard 
is actually from Jamie Barrett here, and he said, um, do what you love and the money will come. And, and I, I really think that that's true. If you focus your career on um, really doing what you love and, and um, sort of finding the thing that you're passionate about, and again, it could be an entirely different thing than you set out to do, but if you really focus on on those types of things that that you feel are you know satisfying and that you're growing and that you're learning and that you're challenged, the money is going to follow you. If you just make moves purely for financial reasons, I, I, I think that's it's I think that's a pretty short sighted way to go about it. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, there's been many examples of people that have done just that, and they're now the the global head of such and such and yeah. such and such and they're miserable yeah so I think you know do what you love and the money will come I, I really do think that's true great advice to end on Rafi thank you so much yeah this thank you Natalie like just straight from the recruiter's mouth I think everyone's <laughs> gonna get so much out of it so I okay, really appreciate good. the time good is good. there somewhere where people can keep up with you sure absolutely um, and I, I wrote it down okay, here good. so <laughs> so um, so you can keep up with, with the agency, Barrett SF, uh, by going to our, our Facebook page. Mm -hmm. We also are on uh, Instagram and Twitter, and it's at Barrett underscore SF. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can keep up with me on uh, LinkedIn and on, um, what else do I like to do? Twitter mm -hmm. as well. And my Twitter, and actually we're on, we're on Twitter as well for Barrett SF, I think I said that, but my Twitter handle is uh, the Cougs, uh, T H E K O O G S, which is uh, my last name? name's Kugler, oh. and so <laughs> the Cougs. Um, so that's where you can you can awesome. find me. And I was going to say too that, you know, if anybody ever wants to just reach out um, and they have a question about something or they want to dig in a little bit more, uh, send me a note. Just be patient. Yeah. Like I said, I, <laughs> I I try to get back to everybody. Um, you can find my email address in my uh, LinkedIn awesome. uh, profile. Yeah, and I'll include the links to everything that you just mentioned in the show notes for the episode. Okay. Awesome. Thank Fantastic. you so much. Thank you, Natalie. <laughs> Thanks so much to Rafi for that advice from the inside. I've been dealing with some brutal jet lag after getting back from Singapore. So last week's mini so that was supposed to go out on Friday did not make it out. So you guys can expect it to release this Friday. Advice is so much better shared. Leave us a review on iTunes or share the podcast with a friend. And while you're at it, subscribe to our weekly email. It's a small dose of advice and insight delivered Mondays. That's it for us. If you're in any position to help the people in Houston, please do so. I'm sure every little bit helps. And until next time, you got this.